The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. The COVID-19 global pandemic demonstrates the need for international collaboration to tackle the world's most pressing challenges, states a new book on project and program management called The Smart Mission, NASA's lessons for managing knowledge, people, and projects. In early 2020, over a 37-day period, a NASA team of aerospace engineers at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, with no knowledge of medical devices, built a working ventilator from off-the-shelf parts. This is an example of how effective teams learn and share knowledge in real-time contexts. One of the authors of the book is Edward J. Hoffman, who was the Chief Knowledge Officer at NASA, a position that was created after the Challenger shuttle and Hubble telescope failures. Fast forward to now, and the book states, even more so, there is this incredible urgency. The social dimensions of knowledge and the need for people to collaborate will remain constant as projects become increasingly complex and pose technical challenges that we cannot anticipate. That's because complex challenges require complex teams in multiple disciplines over multiple jurisdictions and cultures all coming together to find solutions. Solutions, Ed Hoffman says, are possible to achieve if and when knowledge and trust take precedence over information as the team's core approach. The International Space Station, even though it was uh, exited by Russia just the other day, stands as one project that is a uh, collaborative project that crossed cultural, political, and international boundaries to become a remarkable success. I invited Ed Hoffman to join me for a conversation that matters on how and why NASA was able to accomplish the impossible and how that insight can help you and your team conquer the seemingly impossible. Mr. Hoffman, welcome. Stuart, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, in reading the book, um, I found it quite interesting that when the idea of creating a chief knowledge officer was uh, conceived of at NASA, uh, all arrows were pointing at you and you were going, uh, no, why were you reluctant at that time to embrace it? Like, wh what was it that made you say, hang on a second, before we go there, there have to be other elements in place? Yeah. Um, the, um, by that point, I was already 20 years into my career at NASA. And after the Challenger space shuttle disaster, which goes back to 1986, I was asked to set up a project management learning academy. And I did that. It was very successful. Things were going well. And uh, it was um, in 2009 where NASA said, let's create a, uh, a knowledge office and asked me to take it over. And my initial reaction was that uh, whenever you start a new initiative in government, uh, people are going to push back. There's going to be a lot of uh, politics. There's going to be a lot of how can you do this? I'd had a good career at that point. I loved the work I was doing. So um, I, I didn't want to accept it until that I heard that the leadership really wanted to do this and that this was something that they were going to commit to. So we had the discussions. Uh, I heard the urgency and, uh, and I agreed at that time. 
So you say that you wanted to ensure that leadership was solidly behind it, yet as I start to dig into the book, that is not where uh, success seems to be uh, driven from within really uh, effective teams. Why is it that that leadership uh, support has to be there, but then that they ultimately have to get out of the way? Yeah, that's a good observation. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about it uh, that much. I, I think the starting point for any kind of a team, any kind of project, the work that you do, is you want to make sure that you know that you have the support of the people sponsoring things, the, the support of people who are going to give you the resources, the support of the customers that you have. If it's only moderate, uh, it's hard to really be successful. That's probably the most important uh, starting point. That's the fuel. But once you get into the actual work, once you get into the mission, to a certain extent, you want to have a leadership that trusts you and trusts the team and the expertise it has to be able to, to make the decisions that are necessary to be successful. So, so you have, I'm sure, people that sponsor you. You want that support. You want the customers. But you want them to trust you to know how to do things right. And, uh, and that's that, that connection. So how do you go around building it? team that's based on knowledge because uh, you know what is the difference between saying well I've got good information therefore I can make good decisions but it's not enough so how do I differentiate what right. what what the difference is there yeah I mean it's one of the things I'll go back to, to the notion of the smart mission what is a smart mission um, I really think it uh, a smart mission starts with something that that's important it could be important to the individual, it could be important to the team, it could obviously be important to the society. But there's the sense that there's meaning, there's purpose, we're doing something of value. You gave the example of the, the VITAL project, uh, developing ventilators. Uh, at the height of uh, COVID, uh, developing ventilators easily, quickly, using basic uh, equipment was vital. You didn't have to convince the team of that, they knew that. and so. In the starting point for really success uh, in terms of a knowledge-based organization is that you engage smart people, talented people with, you know, real key expertise that what you're doing has purpose. It's really important. Uh, the second thing that I would say is the acknowledgement that you have a team together because they have capability, they have smarts, and you're going to encourage them to use it and to leverage it. Uh, and uh, another aspect of this whole notion of knowledge is knowledge is highly intangible, right? It's hard to see, it's hard to measure. It has to do with innovation, it has to do with trust, it has to do with the ability to have the kind of conversations to identify what we know we need to do to be successful. And so um, the difference, therefore, between the notion just of information of knowledge, information, if you will, is the recipe uh, in, a, uh, in understanding how to cook a meal. And I have cookbooks, but you really don't want me cooking a meal for you, uh, Stuart. Uh, the knowledge is really having the experience, having the, the, the understanding, uh, really doing things over time so that you get good at cooking and you experiment and you can adapt and, uh, and you enjoy it. So you become very, very strong at it. And uh, to, to take it further, wisdom is marrying a good, uh, a good cook. I got to eat it. Hang on for a second while we take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. 
And I guess that it, yeah. it plays itself out in team management as well. Uh, you as the, uh, let's say, the project lead, you have to have the wisdom to be able to uh, identify and then recruit the appropriate team members. How then, like you talked about purpose, how do you generate purpose? Uh, so many people, they go to work to make money, to make a living, to support themselves and their families, and they're going, that's why I'm going to work. But you're saying, no, I want you to have a sense that you have a higher purpose. How do you create that sense within a team? Yeah, and uh, one of the things I like about this question is that one of the things that I was told throughout my uh, career when I would talk or when I work with leaders is, Ed, you work at NASA. Of course you have a cool mission. You're, you're, you're going to the moon, you're going to other planets. Um, we moved to a new location uh, recently. We're in a new, new community. And um, one of the things that I really wanted to set up was a, uh, a room, a man cave, if you will, with a, a really nice big screen TV, wonderful sound system. And I found these two young guys who this is what they do. And when I first spoke to them, they communicated clearly, this is what they love doing. Uh, they guaranteed that the work would be, you know, to, to something that I'd be very happy with. When we talked about the desires, they came up, they listed what we would see, what the outcomes would be. They asked me, are you going to be happy with this? As they were designing it, uh, I could hear them talking from my office. You can hear the, the excitement. So you get that from a good person who's putting in your, your entertainment unit. Uh, I bet when you go to your favorite restaurants, one of the things you like is you probably have people who work there who seem to really enjoy cooking. Uh, they may tell you what, they should, what you should be ordering, uh, but there's a sense that what they're doing uh, really has purpose for them and the clients who come in there. So big misconception is that you have to be at a NASA, you have to be at a major uh, entity like a Google or Amazon to, to have this sense of mission. Uh, the reality, I think it's even more common uh, from small businesses and from individuals who are running their own kind of uh, firms because you own it, right? You own conversations that matter. Uh, it's not going to be as important to anybody else. And uh, so that comes through. And, uh, and that's the notion of, uh, I think, this, this sense of team, trusting the team, building the team. It starts with a sense of purpose. Uh, that purpose draws people in who are really passionate about what they're doing and they care and they're going to get it right. Uh, and uh, then that leads to making sure that they're treated in a way where that appreciation comes through. So this is the notion of the, the smart mission uh, that, that uh, we wrote about and uh, that I think uh, you see when things are working well. You see it when you go into that restaurant. You see it when you're having a conversation. Uh, with a professional and you're enjoying it uh, and you also see it when it doesn't work in, 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 in firms. So one of the challenges as I'm listening to you I'm thinking okay uh, I'm recruiting uh, my team uh, do I only look at what their credentials are what their grades were or uh, do I uh, put a healthy dose of or maybe even a bigger reliance in how do they demonstrate their passion for what it is they are wanting to take on? And how do you differentiate between the two? Because one, you can look at a list of, well, there's you know, your, your exam scores and so on. And the other is instinct. Yeah, I, I feel like I must have been talking to you for a long time uh, because 
one of the questions that I would get from people who wanted, when I was running the NASA Academy, what do you look for, Ed? And I would say two things broadly. One is I want to have competence in some aspect. There needs to be something that you can do to contribute to what we're trying to accomplish. And um, it takes a lot of skills to be successful in what we do. So start with what you're good at. Make sure that you're, you, you, you have expertise. Make sure that you can bring in honesty to what you do well and what, what can't. The other thing which I think is even more important is that sense of passion. I love people who love what they're doing. Uh, if people are working with me, um, I want them to really uh, have that sense of passion that uh, we called it at NASA 110% commitment. This is the sense you're working a project, you're gonna have problems. You know, in what you're doing, I don't you know, know you that well, but I bet in terms of doing the work, there are problems that always come up. There's technology, there's lighting, there's issues that take place. So you'll want to work with people who it matters to. And that, that to me is that, that important passion ingredient. Uh, and that's, you know, when, I, when you get to work with people at all different levels who really, they enjoy what they're doing, it typically connects with the fact that they, they're very good at what they're doing because they put in the time to, to, to be right about it. This is our second break. We'll be back in a moment. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. Okay, so I now identify that person, but then how do I, within an organization, uh, find navigate our way through all the different uh, microcultures that exist? Um, yes, you can have this team that's dedicated to taking on this uh, big and very important task, but there may be other people within the organization who are going, well, uh, I don't care, or I wasn't picked. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we haven't done it that way. This department is in conflict with that one. How important is cultural and organizational knowledge in being able to create an effective team that's going to address a big complex problem? The cultural aspects, one of the chapters in the book is about culture. Uh, because it's so vital. It has to do with the behaviors, how we treat each other, what's appropriate, uh, what becomes the, the norm you know, for how we do things. Uh, and one of the things that goes with that kind of a culture is I, um, I think the most effective teams, they're noisy. Let me explain that. Um, in my experience in a lot of the, the teamwork I did at NASA, when I worked with a project when I worked with a team that was really good, they, they had a lot of conversations. They had arguments. Sometimes they would yell at each other. Sometimes they would laugh at each other. You would hear movement, people walking around, people seeing each other when they were in, in the office. There, there's this sense of energy. There's the sense of noise because people are engaging with each other. They're talking. On the other hand, uh, the times that I worked with projects or teams that were uh, in, in, in danger, in despair. It was very quiet. Uh, as humans, we don't talk, unfortunately, when things are going bad. You think about a relationship. The relationships that are probably the best, people are talking, they're laughing, they're engaging, they're they're, there's a lot of energy, there's that, that sound, there's a sound of success to a relationship. And uh, when things aren't working, uh, unfortunately, there's, there's not uh, that conversation. So to me, the starting point for this notion of, of what we're talking about here is you have to nourish the team. 
so that it's encouraged to talk, it's encouraged to disagree. Um, you know, we, we we get better because we learn from each other. Uh, you know, we, we when, when we first started here, uh, I got online and uh, I wasn't properly uh, uh, dressed for what we were doing. And uh, you were honest in terms of, hey, uh, different kind of uh, a thing we're going to do right now. And so it's important to have a sense of, uh, of how we do things and to have those standards and be honest with each other and uh, enjoy the conversation, enjoy the disagreement. And uh, the arguments leads to laughter and the laughter leads to a sense of humanness. And this is when talented people are, are very good at what they do. Uh, so that's one of the things. I'll give you a quick story for my example uh, at NASA. Um, after the Challenger disaster, and this dates me, but 1986, one of the uh, tragic events in NASA history was the loss of the space shuttle Challenger, 1986. Uh, a few years later, I was asked to uh, establish a NASA academy. How do you get people at NASA to learn, to share knowledge, to create it, to work effectively together? And uh, one of the individuals I asked to talk at the time was an individual named Jerry Madden. And Jerry worked at the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. He was considered one of the best project managers we had. And he agreed as long as he didn't need to wear a tie and as long as he wasn't going to use any slides. I said, Jerry, uh, you know, just come and talk to the group. What do you do? And he told a story. And the story was working a, uh, a space mission with the German Space Agency. And he said one of the things that they noticed is that when they went to Germany for the reviews and the design meetings, uh, they would always have uh, a dinner celebration together. They would eat, they would drink, they would socialize. And uh, they hadn't done that. They hadn't reciprocated that. So on well, one of the meetings, they were getting ready to go out to, to Germany. And Jerry said, look, the next time we go out there, we're going to sponsor a party. We're going to have a good old-fashioned American barbecue. We're going to get the best meat we can get. We're going to bring the best uh, barbecue sauce from Texas. And so they did that. They had this event. They had this dinner. They had this party, this celebration. As it happened a few days later, one of the uh, systems on the uh, uh, satellite that was being developed uh, had a minor problem uh, that, that broke off. Um, his project was too small to move up in the queue to get immediate help. And the original estimate was going to be beyond uh, a time frame that they needed. But while he was talking, one of the technicians attending that party heard and said, isn't that the, isn't that the barbecue people? And he's told, yeah, it's, it's that mission. And, you know, we went to the barbecue party a few nights ago. And the individual said, let them know that over my lunch break that's coming up, I'll stop and we'll put together and fix the, uh, fix the harness. And Jerry turned to the group and he turned to me and said, that basically is project management. It's all about the relationships. It's, uh, it's what a little barbecue sauce can do to work effectively together. And um, so this is this notion of nourishing the team, which is part, a key element of a smart mission. Third and final break. We'll be right back. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. You reminded me of a conversation that I had with uh, 
Perry Bellegarde, who was the national chief of the uh, Assembly of First Nations in Canada, and I had him on as a guest. And he said something that in my conversation that I wrote down and put on my wall, and I think that he's absolutely right. He said, if you can't build relationships, you can't build anything. That's Isn't that right. great? That's yeah. It. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, I, I, I tell you, that's the thing that I learned at NASA. It's all about the relationships. So one last question, I know I'm not even getting to the International Space Station because we're going to run out of time, but one last question here, because I think about the way in which we have moved forward. Uh, we didn't launch uh, first rocket into space uh, complete and whole and perfect the very first time that it lifted off. Uh, the development of uh, accomplishments in the human experience has been by trial and error. I'm reminded by Asimov's line, uh, you don't, it's not some great eureka moment, you usually go, hmm, that's odd. <laughs> and, and it leads to something yeah. else. How much does the team have to have a willingness to know uh, we have to go through that trial and error process and getting there is an uh, iterative process? Uh, I, I think it's vital. Um, let, let, you know, we're, we're asked to do hard things uh, in, in terms of life. Uh, if it was, if at this point, if it's easy, it's gonna go into a machine or a computer, right? Uh, to, to, to repeat it. So, um, so, so that, that's part of it. And one of the things, again, I learned in my experience uh, all over at all organizations is that people struggle, but that struggle creates the meaning. Uh, I used to joke with the engineers at, at NASA that one of the things I love about engineers, project people, and scientists, they like problems. And if you give them problems, they get happy and they'll excited. So I had NASA doing my homework. For, for 33 years. When I needed a course, I would turn to them. What do we do? And, then, and that's true. I think uh, struggle creates a sense of meaning for a team. And when teams and people come together to take on uh, shared struggles, it creates a shared meaning and it creates a strength. So I think you see this, uh, you see this in all over you. We see it in sports that um, there are teams that when things are going well and things are easy, they're successful. Uh, but things get difficult and they come apart. And there are others that just at the point things are getting difficult, they, they, they take it to, a, to another level of excellence. And I think this is that ingredients of, uh, of you know, that sense of what we're doing really matters. Uh, we have a sense of trust for each other, this psychological safety so we can talk, we can be honest with each other, we can improve, we wanna get better. Uh, there's the sense of finding, knowledge is nothing more than finding expertise. And uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about the, the, the space station. But again, that was, uh, that was a situation of 19 different countries uh, coming together, including Canada, a, a major uh, partner of the Canadian Space Agency, coming together and figuring out how do we do this hard thing. It's technically hard, but now we have to work across uh, many different languages. We have to figure out how to deal with different cultures well, I love the focus of the book because it doesn't uh, give a prescription on how you're supposed to solve particular problems. It says, this is how you build the team, and then the team figures that process out. And I think that those are the kinds of leadership books that have great value. Thank you for uh, writing it, first of all, and thanks for coming on the show and uh, sharing some insights from it uh, to our audience. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Stu.